0: In beautiful Parkchester, the Bronx, it's electoral dysfunction. Now, here is your host, Tom Brennan. Hey, everyone, welcome back to Electoral Dysfunction, the show where comedians and experts debate the news of the week from the safety of their quarantines. I'm your host, Tom Brennan. Thank you for being with us for another week, uh, and what a week it was. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be great uh, uh, when we have to go to the Marjorie Taylor Greene Presidential Museum with our kids someday. Uh, anyway, a uh, couple things going on this week. First up, we have a special bonus episode about the Super Bowl up on the feeds now. It features James Heskey, Doug Ankerman, and Robert George, just talking about sports in the era of COVID. Uh, and then on top of that, our pal Robert George is actually not with us this week. He He had to go out of town. Uh, But uh, he has a quick message about the week uh, to share with you all. So, uh, before we get to our panel, we're going to take a couple minutes to hear from our old pal, Robert George. Ned Thorne, star wipe us to
1: Bobby G. Hey, Tom. Uh, Sorry I can't be with you uh, guys this week. Um, There was good news and bad news for the Republican Party. The good news is that uh, it's still the GOP. Uh, unfortunately, the bad news is the um, the G. It no longer stands for grand. It stands for green, as in Marjorie Taylor Green, everybody's favorite QAnon loving freshman member of uh, the House Republican Conference. Um, this past week, the uh, House majority, including eleven Republicans, kicked um, um, Ms. Green. Um, off of the two committees that she was on, education and labor and banking, uh, because they felt that the comments attributed to her um, before she was a member of Congress were just a little bit too much. You may have heard, you know, Jewish space lasers. She may have just casually said that uh, Nancy Pelosi was guilty of treason and maybe deserves some bullet in the head. You know, little things like that uh normally when you've got outrageous kind of statements like that uh the party itself uh disciplines the member but we are in a post-trump era um which of course followed the trump error here we go uh and uh republicans um they can't bring themselves to hold donald trump um accountable hardly any only 10 of them voted to impeach him and now we find that they can't really even hold their own members accountable in the vote um, 199 uh, Republicans voted against the idea of um, kicking um, Marjorie Taylor Green off of the of, off of those committees um, I will say this that um, as bad as this is for the Republican Party, I think that this week's episode, though, does illustrate something of a change in our politics. Uh, the power of the political parties has been declining for for decades. We've been seeing that. Once upon a time, parties, there were these smoke-filled rooms where uh, these, gri- these grizzled old guys um, would decide who got to be got to be the nominee. That hasn't been the case for decades, but uh, as uh, the power of the parties has waned, and and over the last few years, as the power of the internet and social media has increased, um, we now have what I see as, what really is the death knell of the parties. Um, You now have a new generation of politician that uses uses social media in much the same way as, say, you know, the Kardashians did, uh, and and do uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, AOC, not in exactly the same way. I'm not making a comparison to the two, but in the way that they connect with their audience, that they don't need Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't need um, the Republican Party. Uh, AOC, in certain ways. Doesn't need the Democratic Party. Josh Hawley, you know, who was condemned um, uh, in a bipartisan way um, because of his uh, challenging the election results, uh, he had um, the best fund. He had the best fundraising period um, uh, since he since he's been in um, in the in the Senate uh, because of social media, because of the internet. If you are a dynamic personality, you can uh, leverage your, um, your, your power. You can be, you, you leverage your brand. You are a, you, you're not um, a politician. You are a political influencer. So Marjorie Taylor Greene Marjorie Taylor Greene says, oh, great. They kicked me off of these committees. I've got all this free time now. Ha, and I'm going to, I'm going to use it. And she is going to use it. Uh, this is the this is actually the lesson that Donald Trump has in a sense um, taught um, uh, arguably a whole generation of politicians and this is something that we're going to be seeing um, a lot of. Um, yes, there'll be uh, many progressives will love the fact that you know AOC um, can exert her brand and and go on the Twitch platform and get you know, thousands of people um, watching her and starting to follow her in a way that uh, no one had before. But the opposite side of it is that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene also knows how to play this game. Uh, she, um, uh, she was uh, criticized on the House floor by House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer who showed up a picture, uh, a poster of the picture she used when she was running, um, when she's got an AR-15 and she's got pictures of the members of the squad, and she says, "You know, I'm coming. I'm I'm coming for you." Uh, Hoyer used it effectively on the floor uh, to, uh, as a as a closing argument to saying why she needs to be kicked off these c- c- committees. I would, that is uh, that was a gift. I think that's a gift to Marjorie Taylor Greene, and we're gonna. We're going to be seeing a lot more of this um, in the future. There could be a lot more politicians um, who will just say, you know, F you to the party structure. Um, and on we go. So, anyway, bye, Tom. See you next week.
0: And welcome back to Electoral Dysfunction. And join me in welcoming this week's panel. Very excited to have all of these people. Uh, first up, she's a writer, a lawyer, one of our favorite people to talk to about this. Follow her on social media at Audrey, Lord of Mercy, Medeva Denny is with us. Hey, Medeba, how are you?
2: Doing well, Tom. Thanks for having me back.
0: Thank you for being here. Uh, <laughs> next up, very funny comedian catches podcast uh, DTF, the Daryl and Timory Fun Hour, and the ambiguously black duo. Wherever you find your podcast, Daryl Charles back on the show. Hey, Daryl, how are you? I'm okay. How is everyone? It's a good question. I think doing yeah. well. I don't want to speak for everyone. That's that's an unfair thing that I should not do. It's
3: a loaded question nowadays.
0: That's very true. <laughs> everyone, I feel like I am uh, like everything since 2020 began, I was like, I add a minus too. I'm like, I'm doing great minus, you know? Like it's, <laughs> I think, room for improvement. Uh, next up, a very funny person catcher uh, every Tuesday at the musical Megawatt through the Magnet Theater. Uh, one of our favorite, I'm sorry to do this to you again, Republicans, Ann Herberger on the show. Hey, Ann, how Hi, are Tom. you?
4: Hi, Hi, and this is Cece.
0: Hello, Cece. Welcome to Electoral <laughs> Dysfunction. Calel the dog, uh, our other occasional dog cameo, uh, and uh, Pepper the cat. Those are the other animals who you now join uh, storied ranks, so welcome.
4: Excellent, excellent. Glad to be here today. Hi, everybody.
0: And finally, welcome back to the show, founder of Backbone, coming to us from the great state North Carolina, Jess Matthews. Hey Jess, how are you?
4: Doing
5: well. Thanks for having me back, Tom.
0: Welcome back. And you just launched launched Backbone a few weeks ago. Walk us through uh, uh, what it is for for the folks at home.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So Backbone is a progressive digital firm founded by unbought and unbossed Black women. We are not only helping to spearhead a revolution at the ballot box and beyond, we're also training the next generation of digital organizers and digital marketers in digital activism. So We've been uh, in operation for really about a year, but we just publicly launched um, last week. So yeah, it's really exciting and um, doing lots of great work. You can find out more at BackboneDigital.org.
0: Congratulations, Uh, and we are going to need a revolution at the ballot box because this week uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, representative from the, the District 14 of the great state of Georgia, uh, you know, now like so many Obi-Wan Kenobis, strike her down and she will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Uh, this week, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, voted by a full vote of the United States House of Representatives, was stripped of all of her committee rankings. She's a freshman from Georgia, Republican, uh, and a big thing that got her was, uh, apparently no one who ran against her did any opposition research last year because, uh, <laughs> If they had, they'd have found among the many things she's done, uh, chasing Parkland students down the streets on camera to criticize their stance, which, uh, you know, that was to me almost the most egregious I was like, because I think people criticize the Parkland kids. And, you know, if you put yourself into the public sphere, you're going to get criticized. They are children. <laughs> Legally speaking, they are kids. Uh, another thing that she had, I guess it came out that she uh, believed that uh, forest fires out in the West Coast were caused by a, a giant space laser run by a Jewish family, which when I heard that, I feel like like there were probably Nazis who read that and were like, that's crazy. That's impossible. A space laser. Uh, and uh, all kinds of great things. Endorsing, I mean, she didn't say this, but she clicked like on a Facebook post that said that Nancy Pelosi should be killed, which, you know, people are debating, what does that mean? And I think you know Robert George is not with us this week. If he clicked like on a post that said I should be killed, I probably at a minimum would not have him back on the show. It's you know feels like a tacit endorsement. Uh, and the Republican caucus was given a chance to punish her and strip her from her committee assignments behind the scenes, uh, and that vote uh, went in her favor. The majority of the caucus stood by her. Uh, a smaller majority of the caucus that same day stood by Liz Cheney for daring to believe that a criminal should be held accountable for his crimes. Uh, so it went to a full full House vote, which is, I guess, as I understand like maybe not completely unprecedented, but it has been a while since this has happened, at least, that a full House vote on this kind of thing happened. And I believe 11 Republicans joined the entire uh, Democratic caucus in voting to strip her from her committee. Uh, and there's a pretty powerful moment towards the end where uh, Steny Hoyer, who's the leader of the House Democrats from Maryland, who has been, I think, you know, safe to say not always the biggest ally to the progressive movement in the House, uh, print out a, a, a huge poster of a, of a, I guess, an advertisement that Marjorie Taylor Greene had done in the campaign, which had her holding a gun, you know, juxtaposed to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, and uh, Ilan Omar. And he he called her to account for it. And it was a pretty dramatic moment that got a lot of coverage. Uh, But the question is now, and our our friend Robert George posed this in his commentary uh, beforehand here, uh, whether or not this puts her in a more powerful place. Now that she won't be on, she's even said, now that I'm not wasting time on House committees, I I can go out and talk to real people. And now I have free time, which is, (laughs) <laughs> if nothing else, I have to say, as a as a person who has supervised people, if anyone says, "Ha, now that you've taken this assignment away from me, I have free time, I think my immediate thought is perhaps this is not a good person for this organization. Uh, but what do we think about Marjorie Taylor Greene? You know, is this, you know, is this, uh, and I, th- I think about this in context of Donald Trump, who a few weeks ago had his Twitter account taken away, and how you know, certainly he's no longer in power. So that happening at the same time that he's no longer in power is going to have a different impact than if he were still, say, the president. But it does feel like it's depowered him a little bit, like deplatforming him has depowered him a little bit. The, the last thing we heard from him was a letter to SAG-AFTRA, which looked like my mom wrote it. It was this lengthy, I mean, not, you know, not what it said, but it was this very lengthy letter that, you know, reminded me that Donald Trump is a man in his 70s. Uh, And medieval, we'll start with you. What do you think about this move to strip her from committees? And, you know, is this giving her more power? Is it, you know, is it the right thing to do? You know, what what do you think?
2: I have no doubt that it's the right thing to do. Like, I think that... If you threaten to kill your co workers, like at the very minimum, you should not be rewarded with like additional responsibilities and authority. Right. Like at a minimum, like I would think that if someone took a picture uh, with like a gun like next to me, I wouldn't really want to work at the same place as them. And I would hope that my employer would think the same. <laughs> like it's just sort of like outrageous. Like it's not just she should be stripped of her committee, like she shouldn't be in Congress. Um, and it's comical to me a bit. Like I don't. I guess I don't credit much the idea that uh, now that she's going to have all this free time, she's going to do cause so much more chaos. Because it's like, oh, yeah, like I'm going to be more powerful now since she took power away from me. That's not how that works. Like <laughs> she was yeah. actively disempowered. Deplatforming is good and effective. Um, so yeah, I am totally down with, uh, her getting a reduced role and it, really it should be embarrassing for the GOP that they could have handled this in-house quietly and didn't and that it had to go to the whole house to shut this down.
0: I think that's a, a really good point. And you, you know, this is a, a party that whose inner workings you've spent a lot of time with. What were your right. thoughts this week, uh, when you saw all this go down, particularly well, as opposed to the Liz Cheney vote? In-
4: yeah, uh, several things. Number one, I think that Kevin McCarthy is probably the weakest, you know, uh minority leader that on the planet. Um this is where, you know, the minor minority and majority leaders should have intervened as they did with Steve King when he was stripped of his committees and almost censured. Um, and when other members have broken the law, that's usually they, they handle it in their own caucus. Um, what, what was disappointing to me was, uh, that Liz Cheney, who stood up for impeachment then, you know, supports Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, with with basically, you know, it, it was a limp endorsement, but, but didn't forcefully say, you know, this is not right this rhetoric won't stand, et cetera. And, and we talk a lot about, um, you know, speaking truth to power and what I guess I'm so disappointed in, in the party that I used to work for for years is that Trump's hold on this party. And I, and I'm, I'm going to take a little, detour about where i think she does become more powerful and and news media is complicit in this too the more that she says this the more they cover her the more they cover her the more she says and that's how trump became trump you know in 2015 every single cable station covered his rallies start to finish they didn't do that for the rest of the republican field and again no sour grapes i worked for jeb in 16 no, it wasn't sour grapes but it was interesting to watch because he would just say all these outrageous things and get covered that's where i think this becomes even more dangerous than it already is because she is out there stirring up a group of of people and you know there are people i know that i think are pretty smart who say to me well you know the election was rigged you, you, you know that that whole line of, of dialogue is still happening too. So I, I guess I'm perplexed that, you know, she is still in Congress, but I guess they don't have the ability to remove her from Congress because she didn't break the law. But, you know, and it's, and the, you know, she was duly elected. Um, but I, I think it's a really dangerous precedent. I think that, that this caucus couldn't even stand up and say, absolutely not this is not acceptable, and you know, we're going to censure you. They should have censured her, I think, in my humble opinion. What's
0: interesting, you bring up Steve King, who, you know, was a as as racist as they come and terrible yes. as they come but like even beyond like these sort of morally offensive beliefs justin amash uh was stripped of committee assignments because he disagreed with paul ryan on policy <laughs> like, right right <laughs> like, like on tax right. policy and not even disagreed with it and was with the democrats like wanted a harder right tax policy and right. like well then you're off this committee jerk uh it's Crazy, like it seems like the easiest thing to do, and yet, you know, I mean, part of it, you know, as you as you alluded to, it's that fear of that fear of Trump and fear of the fundraising. Uh, Jess Matthews, your your thoughts uh, on on Miss Green and her future in, as Robert George dubbed it, the Green Old Party?
5: Yeah, you no, know, my thing about folks like um, Marjorie Taylor Green, I'm just hoping that folks remember, like these people are not you know it's not a small cult that's like in these backwoods and like believing can spirit. like a lot of people she represents a lot of people right across this country and that um should be it should really i think set the perspective on what it means to kind of start um dealing with a reckoning in this country after, you know, so many different feelings and ideas were normalized and seen as, you know, well, you either believe this or that, like, this is not a fringe kind of um, personality that we're dealing with, right? And so I think we need to resist the urge to act like, you know, this is a one-off and this is a situation in which, you know, a woman read too many internet Like, this is a lot of folks. And that's what I think about when I think about her being, you know, I think about Trump being deplatformed or I think about her kind of being punished. We really, really need to think about, um, you know, the larger implications. I think these are important moves to kind of start setting a baseline again of like, you know, you have right, you have wrong, you have, you know, true and false. And then you just kind of have, um, we just need those basic those basic norms again, you know, is what I'm trying to say. So, (laughs) um, you know, that's kind of what I think about when I look at her, like there are just folks across this country who may not be, you know, the stereotypical, like, you know, I'm driving a pickup truck, et cetera, who are following her and are really upset about what happened to her this week. Um, you know, I have to put out there my, even my dad was kind of like, Hey, like, is it right does this go against first amendment? Like, you know, and I said, well, you're putting people's lives in danger. Right. When we're in a different era, when folks literally just stormed the Capitol, like less than a month ago and you are, you have videos of you like looking for, you know, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib to confront right. them. like, it's just a different era. This isn't like, Oh, she said something mean. And No, like this is, this is a
4: different, um, there's a different bar now. So. Well, can I just add something real quick? You still can't yell fire in a crowded theater. You know, yep. the free speech and, and, I, you know, you touched on something that is, I, I think is really important. Um, it, it, there's a level to free speech. You know, we right. can't, I can't, if I threaten you, you have the right to go to the police and have me hauled in. You know, and that's what she is doing. We, you know, there's no excuse anymore for saying I didn't know or I didn't mean it. You know, we're, I think you're right and I'll shut up after this. I, I just, I think the bar has gotten so high. It, it needs to be higher for for people to be accountable for what they say. Yep.
0: I think an interesting thing also, though, uh, about Marjorie Taylor Greene, I was just thinking about this when you were talking, Jess, about her representing a lot of people across the country, and she certainly does. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on last week's show, but it's still pertinent now. Uh, Eric Erickson, who I don't care for, who's a conservative radio host, but, you know, is Uh, I believe from the 14th or broadcast in the same sort of broadcasting range as this district and not a fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene, despite being, in my opinion, awful. Uh, And he wrote about the primary and it was an eight way primary. And she's won that primary, basically, you know, won a small number, a small slice of the electorate, but enough to, to win the primary. And then that was a district that was just going to go Republican anyway. So it is interesting to think like on the one hand, you know, you have this, I think, I don't agree with the statement that says, oh, we have to, like, there's a sort of sentiment. It's like, we got to reach out to these crazy people. I'm like, I don't know about that. We do have to acknowledge that they are a reality in this country and figure out how to confront it. But it is interesting to me to think that, like, there's a different world where only one person ran against her last fall. And even that far right district would be like, uh, (laughs) no. And part of why there wasn't a robust uh, look into our background is because there was You know like the resources of background uh the resources of the background investigations were spread out across eight people it's an area that doesn't have a ton this is also you know the death of local journalism hurt that a lot uh, because you know there's forget you know an intrepid big city reporter like just a local shopper that did a cursory glance of her facebook page could have had this article come out and you'd imagine people who i otherwise probably would disagree with would be like uh not going for the space lasers lady thank you beth uh daryl your thoughts on 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 future president marjorie taylor green (laughs) um yeah i think
3: uh you know i i hate caring about people in this day and age but um i feel bad for the gop right like They used to be like this, you know, staunch people who cared about manners and mannerisms and it was about looking the part, it was a good amount of respectability politics and that stuff. And now they've let in, they're like the the family at a buffet where it's like 13 people and you can tell that there's like the matriarch of the family is just happy they're all there. But every time they turn around, there's a kid drinking cheese directly from the fountain. Mm -hmm. It's like that. Like, oh man, like (laughs) y'all are just looking bad, and you're trying so hard. But there are some people you're not supposed to bring outside, and (laughs) you know, if if I'm at the buffet, you just laugh at that family, and you don't eat the cheese but uh this is america we all have to we all have to work together so you have to
0: eat that cheese no no yeah. well mm, well yeah, that cheese, well, yeah. unfortunately
3: and you know and especially probably in her district they've opened the buffets back up so you know yeah. who knows um yeah it, it's it, it's just like yeah they 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 i'm glad to see that someone's trying to hold someone accountable somewhat but uh you know i don't yeah steve steve king he got almost censured for being a flat-out racist like you know the bar has where the bar if he was able to be in office for that long marjorie taylor green is not doing anything new so that's who they were that's who they are they are going to eat with their hands when there are plenty of forks around and you know you could say like yeah they represent a lot of people that's true but they also lost a major election so there are way more people it, but yeah, you you have to deal with these people. I'm glad to see they're trying to do something, but it sucks when she's like one of the big small money donation people. Yeah. So, and, you and know, this past the week party, broke
0: some record donations just off this, uh, off this event alone. Yeah, so the party has to
3: reckon with that. We want money. This seems to be the kind of person who is getting money from the people who we are using to say we represent the people. So what the hell are we supposed to do and to watch them have to flop in real life about it is kind of funny for the end of the american experiment
0: <laughs> i just uh, want to say for the record
5: ahead. where i am golden corrals are packed again
0: so I yeah baby yep <laughs> uh we have a golden corral up the street here and they are doing a takeaway in the in the parking lot so that's uh <laughs> the Bronx, the south of New York City. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, us in Staten Island for different reasons. Um, I think it's interesting. You talk about the the money coming in because I was thinking about this a lot. Uh, last night, they announced that Lou Dobbs' show had been canceled on Fox News. And, you know, why is it canceled on Fox News? Because he was saying things that could get them sued and lose real money. And that's their top show. And it's interesting, you know, like, you know, this this sort of like, You're already starting to see, like, oh, Fox News is censoring. I was like, that's again capitalism at work. They're like, if you're going, doesn't matter how, like, what the ideological stance of your organization. If someone comes in and says, hey, we're going to cost you money, and Lou Dobbs is, you know, very explicitly uh, like slanderous (laughs) content, it's going to cost them money. Even Rupert Murdoch's like, pull him off the air. Uh, Just one of the things that like he
3: was just abusing women. (laughs) That's (laughs) it. Yeah. Yeah, Well, yeah
0: yeah that's, come on, we got plenty of money lying around for that instance um uh and uh you know, which brings me back to something that I'm curious what happens with with these various next level crazies, you know something Trump was very smart about, and i hate saying that but I do like why did he always say many people are saying because he knew he could get sued if he said I know for a fact this lie is true <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he was someone who knew very much and so that's my question like what happens when these people become sueable, and when they no longer become box office or box office like uh, uh, fundraising draws for the party and you know that's when it changes a lot
4: well and I think one of the things we're gonna see is uh, the Dominion voting uh, machine lawsuit there, I think there's another lawsuit that's going on, uh, another company and I'm sorry, I can't think of the name right off the top of my head, but I, you know, I but give Galaxo them Exo
0: Smith Klein. I don't know.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that too. Uh, but I, I give them big kudos for saying, you know, for, for basically putting it in a lawsuit to Rudy Giuliani and those who, you know, defamed their company, um, to say, you know, basically we're gonna sue you for over a billion dollars, that's with a B. And, you know, so let's see what happens with those. And I think those will be sort of the litmus test for, you know, going back to just, you know, what does speech cost? What does speech mean? How far can we take it? And when, when it starts becoming monetized, and, you know, we're going to see this. This will be another great, great experiment, too, to see if this starts to clamp down some of that rhetoric.
2: I'm just amused yeah. and also thinking about how shameful it is that basically uh, the Republican apparatus I'm including representatives here and also Fox is sort of just like I can excuse anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about space lasers, but I draw the line at costing me money. Like, yeah, once yeah. You, like once you hit me in the pocket, like now yeah. we have a problem. But like all that racist stuff, all that wild stuff, A-OK. Yeah, And like that was something that was standing out to me um, as we were hearing about Kevin oh, McCarthy yeah. and like the work he was doing on unity and keeping the party together. And I'm like, all you're really saying is there's room for everyone under our big white supremacist tent. Like that's what I hear. Right i see
0: that <laughs> which i found interesting just jumping off of that uh uh and this is you know uh mo- mostly for the three of us in new york on this call but um, you know everyone please weigh in uh but nicole maliatakis who represents uh, part of brooklyn and all of staten island in the house voted you know was one of the 11 to vote uh f- to remove marjorie taylor green from her committees despite running as this very far-right right. trump republican and it occurred to me, I was like, "This is someone who knows that the Trump voters turned out big on Staten Island on election day when Trump was on the ballot, but doesn't trust them to show up in a midterm election when a city may be very energized uh, on the left and not so energized on the right." Uh, I found that that very interesting. It was like to that point, like she's like suddenly like, "I draw the line at, at Jewish space lasers now because right. I saw the polls, and it's real bad for me. <laughs> I'm not going to win over Borough Park with this. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Um, uh, goodness, we're doomed. Uh, but you know like uh, talking about money, let's let's take a look at the other big story of Washington right now, which is to say uh, this week the United States Senate uh, had has agreed to move Joe Biden's 1.3 trillion dollar COVID recovery plan, uh, move it forward in the process of reconciliation, uh, reconciliation, which is a pro- a budget process where uh, uh, the Senate only needs 51 votes to pass it, not 60 votes. Uh, I enjoy it because when I was a kid, I was raised Catholic and reconciliation was not a good thing. So it's very interesting to, as an adult, see reconciliation become something that means, you know I'm gonna do whatever I want. When normally it meant this is a time where you feel bad for being attracted to anyone. Uh, So, (laughs) with that in mind, uh, earlier this week, the President of the United States, who as of this recording is Joe Biden, um, still weird to say, (laughs) after after who knew what it was for a year, it was Donald Trump until he got sick. Who knows? Um, He did meet with a group of ten Republican senators who offered a much smaller recovery package. Uh, which I, you know, it, it was interesting that you're now starting to hear out of Washington out of the United States Senate, this this continued belief from all sides of the Democratic caucus, from Joe Manchin on the right of the caucus to Bernie Sanders, this sort of unified agreement of it'll be great if we can get some Republicans, but we're not going to wait on them, which is traditionally not been the case in new Democratic administrations. And it's certainly of my lifetime, it's sort of a Clinton, Obama, even Jimmy Carter at some point tried to Mm -hmm. kind of hold out for bipartisan support and Usually found them in situations where, it, you know, for months and months they'd compromise and they'll compromise in the bill, and then the Republicans would walk from the bill, and they'd have a watered down bill. Uh, this time around, uh, you have again Joe Manchin, conservative from West Virginia, saying the last thing we should be concerned about is the price tag on this, uh, which is a uh, which can only mean that there's going to be so many bridges and highways in West Virginia that are in this bill already like, marked <laughs> off. Um, where you know, but still, Biden met with them. You know, took a look at their proposal and did, as my as my dad used to used to say, the this is very nice of you to stop by move, uh, which you know <laughs> is negotiating tactic. Which is it was really good of you. This is great. We're gonna we're gonna look at this. Thanks for coming. Uh, the bill that currently stands would extend unemployment insurance through September uh, and uh, federal. Uh, federal add-on insurance, so in addition to your state, which I believe is somewhere between $300-$400 a week extra. uh, It does include direct payment checks of $1,400, though the income level for that is still being sorted out. Um, It probably will not include a raise of the minimum wage, which was in the original draft. It probably will not include a few other things, uh, and it's probably gonna have some different guidelines on state and local aid but it is certainly stronger than the package that was passed over the end of last year and uh, the first package and maybe similar in strength to the first CARES Act package that was passed middle of last year. And uh, I think the most important thing that comes out is you have a lot of funding for vaccine distribution, which is probably the, the most urgent need. Um, but what's, I'm curious, the thoughts like, there's still this sort of sense of like, oh, it's gotta be bipartisan. And I think about it, it's gotta be bipartisan And I I am of two minds on it, which is like, it would be nice if it were bipartisan. (laughs) Uh, But I think, you know, it is a bill that currently, the current, like the more aggressive bill uh, has already a 40% approval with Republican voters. And you even have maybe no Republicans in the Senate, but like the Republican governor of West Virginia, a few other Republican governors have said, maybe not out and out endorse the bill, but have, you know, echoed that Joe Manchin stance of like, we got to just do something now and deal with the cost later. Uh what what are the thoughts? I and mean, we'll start Daryl with you in terms of bipartisanship in, in these bills and like the you know that, that sort of appearance.
3: Yeah, I think uh I'm happy to see the Biden uh, government um learning from the past mistakes. Uh you know, it's 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 fine. It's nice to see white privilege work for me. For <laughs> <once>. um, <laughs> you know, because cause yeah, it's it's the, the Republicans were, had a very disingenuous way of dealing with legislation for a while. Uh, they would be like, here's a great progressive thing. They'd be like, well, let's talk about it. And then they would just back away from it at the last minute and then turn around and say, well, look at these do nothing Democrats. And you know, how many different times do they have to do that before someone says, fuck you guys, right? Like th- that's, you know, I wanna hear that. I wanna hear Nancy Pelosi be like, and fuck you guys. Thank you. Um, because, yeah, they, they it's an old trick, and it you see how it works. When it was happening with the ACA, I read a lot of people standing up and saying, look at what they're doing, and it, it still happened. So, um, you know, you, you play bad faith games, you win bad faith prizes, and finally, they're saying, look, we, we can do this without you, and we know we have to, because mm-hmm. you've never wanted this to happen, so.
0: That's, uh, yeah, I think about that a lot. The thing I particularly think about a lot is I I, I wonder, and uh, Anne, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on this too, particularly knowing how weird the Senate rules are. Right. Like there's certain things that can only be passed with 50 votes. There's certain things that like the reason they're pulling unemployment insurance is because it looks like it probably won't The Senate parliamentarian, which seems like a great job that I pay for <laughs> someone to have. Uh, is like, mm, nope. Uh, but What's interesting to me when people are talking about, oh, that needs to be a bipartisan bill. I imagine there's probably a great deal. Like to me, Senate, the Senate is broken. Uh, in the words of our friend Oliver Willis, uh, you know, the things I hate most in life are the Dallas Cowboys and the United States Senate, uh, <sighs> and the Nazis in that order. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, it's very, you know, it seems very uh, like they know those rules inside and out. I'm sure, you know, or at least right. someone on their staff does. And I imagine there are a lot of Republican senators who probably don't hate this bill, but they know that if they vote for it, they're on the hook on that on a primary in a few years. And so they're probably like, yeah, reconciliation, great. That way it passes. My state gets the help it needs and I don't have to vote yes on it. This is a great day for me, Ben Sass or whoever. Uh, what do you think about that? I'm curious about what do you think Republicans are thinking
4: right now? In terms well, it, two things. I think one, I, I you know, I love the fact that Biden's talking about bipartisanship because he is following through on a promise that he made when, when he ran. Uh, But he, you know, uh, heavy is the, you know, heavy is the, what's the, you know, Shakespeare quote. uh, Heavy
0: is the head that wears the hair. Where's the crown.
4: Yeah. And so I think he can do what he wants. And, and again, uh, I remember Mitch McConnell saying the day Obama got Elected uh, in two thousand eight, is we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you get nothing, and that that isn't the world that I grew up in. I grew up in a in a political world where there really was bipartisanship, and all these guys were friends, and they may have disagreed on issues, but it it wasn't personal, and they could. Help you know bring each other over to the other side, you know when uh, Ted Kennedy and you know George Herbert Walker Bush whatever and I know that makes me sound very old and probably very out of time. Reed, you're but, not
0: Robert George, I would never comment on your age.
4: <laughs> thank you, you're lovely I but that but Robert I, I think the dad. time <laughs> I think the time is now to get it done, however you can get it done and if that means that you go through budget reconciliation thumbs up because I think there are, you know, besides those 34% of, you know, the, the weird part of the Republican party that's still out there that supports Trump and all of the Q, QAnon stuff, there's 76% of the country that let's just say 60% of the country, um, that are, in pain and hurting and, you know, hunger is up in this country, um, you know, uh, evictions are up in this country, where we we aren't taking care of our own. So I say it's a long winded answer to your, to your question, Tom, but I believe that anyway, I believe, and I also agree with Manchin, and I'm saying this as somebody who worked in the Republican Party, by any means necessary. Because if we can't get this done, then, then, you know, what does next year look like? Are we shut down next year? Are, you know, does New York ever come back? Do theaters ever open? You, you know, it's, there's such a, there's such a, you know, trickle down effect to, to all of this. Well, it's really a, a flood, but, you know, so I say, you know, get everything you can get done in the first hundred days, like he wants to, and then, you know, and and if and if the bitching and moaning is that he isn't bipartisan, so what? He's got fifty-one in the Senate, and that's all he needs.
0: Yeah. First of all, as as Joe Manchin and Malcolm X both said, by any means necessary. <laughs> um, you know, I think. Uh, yeah, I think about that a lot. Like, I can't imagine a world where someone would be like, "Ooh, this stimulus check only got fifty uh, votes." No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> if Jerry Moran from Kansas isn't on board, then I'm not on board either. That's the end of the right. that. Is not happening
3: anywhere. Wouldn't it Wouldn't it be great if they did it like the ACA, where it was like up to the individual states to take the the check? So like, if if you hate the fact that money is being given to people who are poor, you can say, hey, in Kentucky, you die in the street that is the hill I'm dying on. Like I, you know, and then when right. they complain, like, oh my God, I have no health insurance, then there's always someone in the comments like, well, uh, your governor and uh, reps uh, all said that you should die and that's what's happening,
4: well, welcome and, and, to voting. And Daryl, you bring up a really good point and, and Tom, you touched on this. The governors who most of them have balanced budget amendments that they have to live by Uh, And, and, you know, they can't just say, well, we'll just put it to next year are behind what Biden is doing because he they know that uh, Trump screwed them on on the costs of, you know, PPE, all of this stuff that the government was supposed to help them on and should. It should have. And, it, you know, Biden is making good on those promises to bring so you know, starting with uh, reimbursing them for the National Guard. The, it, reimbursing it, them re- for FEMA, too. FEMA, too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, these governors have to manage all of this. And I don't hear a lot of them bitching. I don't hear a lot. Maybe Ron DeSantis, but, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, there was, but to that point, there's, you know, you think back in the ACA of it all, there was something politically advantageous, even if it's morally reprehensible for governors to hold on to that money. There's something politically advantageous for every governor to take this money right now. Right. (laughs) Because they are about to go broke and, you know, no state governor, like left, right, or center, wants to be on the hook for these costs. And, you know, like, it is it is a different world. And we are in a country like, you know, the governor's races are the ones where pol- political polarization least matters. I mean, a Democrat is uh, the governor of Louisiana, a Republican is the governor of Massachusetts. Like, that's the place where people in this country say, like, well, you know, like, that's ah, it's different. Like, they, they, right. they, they buck party lines on governorships and they're not as concerned with that. And in turn, yeah, you have 50 governors who, you know, even if they're doing crazy things like here and there to, get press or on Twitter, they're just like, but I will take that money, please. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Thank Jess you Matthew,
4: very much for the check.
0: Je- Jess Matthew, I'm curious, particularly, you're, you know, you are, uh, most of us are up here in, in blue America. You're down there in in the, we'll be generous and say purple state of North Carolina. Thank you. For uh, yeah, I think, I mean, look, it's, you know, the, the, the voting systems are the problems. Uh, it's, all, it's all gerrymandering. I mean, like that was a state, was that like 2018 where like the congressional vote difference between Democrats and Republicans was forty fifty uh, percent republican forty eight percent Democrat, and so eight Republicans went to Congress and three Democrats <laughs> uh I'm curious uh what what it feels down there like what the what the look at the debate from that the debate in Washington over a bill looks like from that part of the world
5: you know I don't know I think. I just think about folks are hurting right now. It's a lot of what you said, Anne, right? Folks are are struggling. And at the end of the day, you know, I think this train is moving based on how Congress looks and based on the momentum Um, that Biden's got. And if I was on the other end, I'd be like, let me get on this train and try to claim some of this victory, you know, that's coming. Uh, (laughs) You know, let me be able to say that I was a part of, you know, the relief that hopefully folks are about to start feeling. Um, Because, yeah, I'm in a state that's gone back and forth over the years, right? We're like notorious for having Democratic governors and, you know, Republican Congress people. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you can attach your name to something that is going, a lot of folks are going to feel, you know, do so now. I think about a lot of things from a, um, you know, communication standpoint. If I was on Biden's team, I would be like, hey, get out there, get a couple of, um, you know, Republicans who are struggling right now and talking about, you know, their small business failing. And go ahead and be part bipartisan in that way. Put out some videos about yep. what this relief package is going mm-hmm. to mean for them. And then juxtapose that against, you know, their their Republican leadership, you know, saying that they're not going to sign on to a bill. Start, I mean, it starts now, right? The election, the next election has already mm-hmm. started. So yep. that's kind of the way I look at it.
0: I, yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. And I think people, when they say bipartisanship, exactly, they don't I don't think they mean, like the caucus, the Republican caucus in the Senate needs to, it means something that I like, let's say I'm a Republican in North Carolina. Like I, you have communicated to me that this policy will help me too. Like, or, and also in terms of the elected people, like having that meeting earlier this week was smart. Like, you know, publicizing that you had 10 Republican senators. They would rather know you tried. And when you couldn't come to an agreement that worked, proceeded, than like kind of got rolled for lack of a better word. Absolutely. uh and take again,
5: advantage of the fact that so many folks are are struggling right now like he just got into office so he's got an opportunity now to say oh my gosh look at how bad things are right put right, <laughs> yeah. out some video yeah.
0: like with and without you know, it being his fault <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's shit, that's this is a last. mess
5: that's only gonna last a couple months i'm telling you like yeah, yeah. <laughs> said, and use that
0: <laughs> I don't know if the person is Republican but I know he has been putting out videos at least on his social feed of him like calling people who have lost their jobs in the last year, year and just talking to them about the policy, which uh, those videos are great and moving and like as, a, as someone who works in comms as well I'm very moved by them and as a human being there is part of me that's like that must have been so weird to shoot. <laughs> like, someone just comes in your own like so the president's gonna call just pretend he's a friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not someone who could drone strike you if he needed to. Uh, not that it he would. Will. Maybe he would. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Look, as we said, if you start costing a place money, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Medeva, your your thoughts on the on the ongoing debates in Congress about whether or not we should help people <laughs> in America?
2: <laughs> <It's> hilarious framing. <laughs> I mean, that's it's true. Like that's the responsibility of government. In theory, is to like do for us like what we can't do for ourselves and that includes Mm -hmm. things like national vaccine rollouts and like responding to global pandemics and so like they should be doing things to help people right now and if the way to do that is reconciliation I'm totally fine with that um yeah I mean frankly I really could not care less about bipartisanship like I don't give a good goddamn about bipartisanship um but I also think Jess raised an excellent point in that it is bipartisan once you look at you know people outside of the halls of congress because uh, like i don't think that your average person uh cares about who is particularly like voting for what they care about can i pay my bills mm-hmm. can i buy my groceries like am i going to be able to like pay my mortgage uh, like that's what folks care about because there are folks who are hurting right now folks who are struggling and it's again, I think I, I used this word before, but again, shameful that uh, the Republican Party is, you know, like putting forward these weak sauce, like a fraction of what Joe Biden was putting forward. And like, I mean, I even think that Joe Biden should be a bigger package. Uh, like, um, and so to come, to come present this like make-believe bill that's like a, a half of that or some nonsense, like I feel like you're just not operating in good faith. Uh, you're not actually trying to help people, and so it's the responsibility of uh, the president to do that work, to like to actually try and help people, to actually try get some results for folks. And I don't care what the the means are; I care about the outcome.
0: And I think it's also I, I, what's what is advantageous to the Biden administration right now. There also is like, again, speaking of how you demonstrate something is bipartisan. Uh, you can po- they can point to debates just, you know, six to eight weeks ago, where the re- leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, said, "Yes, we should have direct cash payments to people." And Josh Hawley and Bernie Sanders co-sponsored a bill for that. And then, you know, and like you can easily point to the idea of like suddenly it wasn't politically advantageous for Josh Hawley to support direct cash payments anymore. Good for him, but we know this has support. He wouldn't do something that didn't have support. You know, uh, eight if eight weeks ago the majority of this country is like, no direct cash payments, you know, maybe Trump would bring it up because that guy, it was like it was like the last three minutes of a horror film when <laughs> the monster just slashing at everything. Uh, but, you know, no Republican senator would have put their name on a bill, certainly with Bernie Sanders. Uh, you know, you look at the state of Missouri, though, it's also the kind of state that will elect Josh Hawley while also voting for major uh, uh, minimum wage increases and decriminalization of all kinds of things. Uh, it's a state that loves their guns and abortions, as my as my sister would put it. Um, <clears throat> uh, and with that, we'll just turn a little bit, we'll talk about the vaccine rollout. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, another thing you said there, Medeva, like certainly none of us, no offense to anyone on the maybe you could, I certainly could not manage a massive nationwide vaccine rollout, and I need a federal government to do that for me. <laughs> um, I'm curious, has anyone on this call gotten vaccinated yet? Uh, not yet. Oh, Waiting. Wow. So far, I think uh, the only electoral dysfunction person to uh, to get vaccinated is James Hesky. How's that, Daryl, for irony's <laughs> <laughs> he so sake? He's a bit
5: worth I have an appointment.
0: Oh good. Yeah. yeah. Yay. My, my parents have gotten vaccinated, uh, or they've gotten their first dose. So that's and I'm my just I'm still vaccinated. My mom uh, did I,
2: just get her second dose yesterday.
0: I'm very awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pro waiting. I'm fine waiting. I can do it. Uh, yeah, like, I, my job generally allows me to hide out at home. Um, but uh, now that we're, you know, I'd say, what are you, like, uh, three weeks into the Biden administration at this point, uh, three weeks in the administration, maybe a month and a half into the vaccine rollout. Biden administration came in and found out that this big plan that that uh Donald Trump's administration had for rolling out the vaccine was I think literally nothing. Like, if <laughs> I understand it correctly, there was no plan. And they're the just like yeah was
2: let them eat COVID. Like
0: <laughs> that was <it>. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, congratulations. You just titled this episode, Medeva. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was gonna be the green old party. Sorry, Robert George. Let them eat yeah. COVID. Just one Robert's fired from the show. <laughs>
3: just replaced him. <laughs> i can't Uh, believe that the republicans lied
0: yeah the trump Trump
3: administration
0: wasn't telling
3: the truth i'm gonna counter
0: i think a a i think a romney administration would have had a great vaccine rollout plan for the state of utah ready to go uh and time permitting the rest of us Uh, but you know we we 've seen a lot of like it's it it 's interesting because we went from and i don 't even remember on this show the week the show we did right the week after the vaccine was officially uh released it was such an amazing moment of of world history like this was one of the most impressive turnarounds for a vaccine ever mm-hmm. I think maybe ever. the most uh historic turnaround for a vaccine ever and it 's ninety five percent effective and it is just so discouraging to go from that to like weeks later we're like yeah we could be doing more but it's hard <laughs> it's a lot to do um uh, and so like that's the 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 first level that you run into which is we're you know we're and we're seeing this sort of weird here in new york we're starting to see like yankee stadium open yesterday as a right. vaccine role play that will specifically not just only serve new york city residents but only serve bronx residents because we are seeing you know some places that have better rollout situations are having people from different states come in. And I, I've, you know, like there's, it's also such a weird thing because, uh, you know, unlike say COVID testing a year ago, when you could, when it was sort of like, Oh, it's weird that the, you know, Brooklyn nets get COVID tests, but the staff of this hospital don't, there is part of me. It's like, I don't care. Just everyone get You know, if you skip the line for me to get vaccinated, that is still good. But, uh, regardless, like we, we are, uh, I, the word I heard from, from a friend of mine who works in public health, uh, was, uh, ca- potentially catastrophically bad, the rollout right now, um, that, you know, there's still time to right this ship, right? but, uh, and we currently, I believe, have more, more vaccinations than, than current active cases in the country, like more total people who've been vaccinated, which is good, but, uh, this friend said that we are, you know, currently on track just with this sort of weird disconnect, uh, between, you know, that, If nothing else, we had a federal government that said, figure it out yourselves, the states. Uh, And that even with the federal government now getting up to speed that they have to create a plan from scratch is potentially, you know, like a thing that could potentially create an even worse second, you know, not second wave, I guess 12th wave at this point uh, in the next year. Uh, And then on top of that, what we're seeing are incredible disparities, particularly along lines of race and income uh, in terms of who is getting vaccinated. A good example I read the other day, the state of pennsylvania has a 11 uh african-american population and currently uh only three percent of people who have received vaccines in that state are african-american um you know part of that is you know what what some people are referring to as uh i think it was like didn't i think it was like uh uh was it uh, establishment distrust but part of that is also just not getting it to the right place at the right time and i'm just i'm curious with yeah. the the panel's thoughts right now just a general thought on this vaccine rollout what you're seeing, what you're feeling, you know, like about it. Uh, and medieval we'll, we'll start with you. It's a broad question, right. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> but that means you can give as broad an answer as you'd like.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think, first of all, I think it's devastating. Um, like you mentioned with Pennsylvania, you said black folks are what, 11% of the population, uh, 3% of who's been vaccinated, but yes. also probably going to be something like, of people who have died from COVID. Uh, So it's, it's really a tragedy when you look at like the huge level of discrepancies here, like how we like disproportionately represented in like both ways. Uh, And yeah, I think, I think, uh, Institutional distrust is part of that for sure, uh, because there are plenty of good reasons why, like folks would be suspicious of, of the government and uh, suspicious of sort of you know with the history of medical racism in this country. Uh, but I think a lot of it is also just you know like poor planning from the government's part, uh, like terrible job and like actually thinking about access and distribution. Like if you're not if you're not like actively considering like who is being harmed and how are we going to get these to like the people who need them most, then it's not going to happen. Uh, so I think I think that the pandemic has exposed like a bunch of fault lines uh, throughout society. And just like really just crack them wide open and we're seeing like the sort of confluence of multiple cracks here Uh, like you're seeing medical racism like you're seeing just like poor planning you're seeing like lack of infrastructure just like all of these things in this like terrible melting pot Um, so yeah I think I think it's definitely disappointing and troubling Um, I think that States should be making more of an effort in that regard. Like on one hand, yeah, everybody needs to be vaccinated. So like get the vaccines to everyone, but you also do need to show some amount of diligence and like think about like who is being disproportionately affected and how do we remedy that. and they should also uh, like keep track of these things, like, like so they're not like surprised uh, <laughs> this group is dying like a lot. Uh, they should they should uh, actually monitor like who all is being vaccinated. So yeah, I guess in some the rollout is sloppy and it's disappointing and troubling, and I would love for the government to improve it <laughs>
0: so. yeah, it feels very like and admittedly you know there's there's a lot of this that we pin on donald trump and should mm-hmm. but it does kind of feel like people are like who knew that 300 million people getting vaccinated would be work <laughs>
6: like,
0: there's a lot of people <laughs> live in this country and they live all over the place uh and i of admit like even you mentioned distrust of the of the government you know like uh Uh, They don't make a more white privileged than me, but just, you know, Donald Trump saying, hey, there's a vaccine. I was like, well, hold on. I want to see. And then the minute, you know, like Biden and and Harris and Sanders and Warren and everyone else was like, the vaccine is good. I was like, "Okay, then I guess I trust it. (laughs) And, you know, like at that point, he was he had lost the election. There's no reason for him to lie and say that the vaccine is good unless he just wanted revenge. And.
1: When would he endanger like you lives? People who
0: inject bleach. So, yeah. like, I understand being right. like. Mm. I was <laughs> so. like, hold on, hold on. Is, is there even if not a doctor, then just an old person in a in a lab coat who could stand next to him and say <laughs> that this is good? I'll listen to that person. Uh, Jess, your thoughts on 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 the Vax, the the facts of the Vax, as love i won't saying.
5: I love that. Um, I'm always reminded of why you were such a good writer to work with, oh, Tom, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, um, well, it's all because I'm friends with a, with a tabloid <laughs> pundit journalist.
5: <laughs> I, you know what, I've actually been thinking about, because we've had a lot of time to think in the last year, mm-hmm. I have been thinking about this rollout for months and honestly thinking about, like, how to make it successful. Um, you know, this is just something, like, I honestly should have just written it down and mailed it somewhere because I've come up with all these different strategies. <laughs> um, you know, but when I think about, you know, when we t- think about medical racism, we think about distrust and all of the things that, um, you know, culturally could prevent folks. Like, I'm just thinking about how important, and I'm sorry, I've been everything comms lately, so everything I'm going to is, sure. is communications. But when I think about, like, influencer marketing, right? Like, we imagine what it would have been like, this is one of my ideas, to have President Obama go in, be one of the first people, and he was, you know, to get the vaccine, but then to do like a video series every single day until his second dose, right? Like, hey, hey, y'all, it's me. I'm back, still feeling great. It's a little sore, but I'm good. You know, like just something like dumb, right? For people to see like, oh, wow, this was, you know, easy. It was fine. It was effective. You know, I just, I think we, could have really leaned in here to really make people feel more comfortable. I mean, and it's not just him getting like, you know, some um, non-stereotypical influencer in the black community (laughs) to, you know, to do this. Not someone from like, you know, 2001 rap music we haven't heard of since, you know. What about
0: Diamond and Silk? Would that work?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not, right? Definitely not. Actually? Actually. Right. No, but honestly, I, I think there are a lot of ways and, and there still are, you know, the kind of approach folks getting um, more comfortable. To be honest, the thing that's been driving me to want to go ahead and get it as soon as possible is because I really don't think folks are thinking enough about scarcity. Like right. we're, we're dealing with scarcity right now. Not everyone yeah. can get it for a reason. And, you know, I honestly have felt like people are, are talking too much about, well, would you get it? I don't know if I would get can you get it? Is the question I think folks need to be right. asking. Will you be able to get it? Because the truth is, we think about basic like economic principles. Yeah, you know, in reality, most people want to be able to leave their house. They want to be able to send their kids back to school. They want to be able to travel. If you start looking around and seeing people at brunch, and you're still kind of like at your house because you didn't want to, you're gonna to want to go ahead and get that vaccine. Will you be able to at that point? Because you've waited mm-hmm. so long. That's the question that I think people need to be thinking about. Um, yeah. That's that's me personally. So while I do have, you know, I'm right to have concerns and I'm right to have hesitations, I would rather just kind of like I'm someone who's jumped out of a plane before and like went skydiving. If I could do that, I'll go ahead and just close my eyes and say a little prayer <laughs> and, yep. and hope it works out for the best, you know. So <laughs> I yeah,
0: I stand firmly by my belief that if the that whatever government chip might be in a vaccine in a vaccine needle uh then prepare whoever is monitoring me to have the worst job in government because they're gonna be like god this guy's just watching monk again <laughs> like, <laughs> what is he doing
5: <laughs> my favorite thing about the microchip conversation is like you know oh my gosh i'm not gonna go and get this microchip as you carry the microchip into- yeah <laughs> like
4: exactly yeah.
0: right right <laughs> uh, my my I thought learned- on sorry go ahead Medieval.
2: Oh, sorry. I was like I also love the commentary where people are you know like I don't know what's in it and they're like if you drank four locals when they came out in 2008 you don't need to worry about what's in the vaccine yeah. so,
4: like 100%. if you were ever
5: drinking jungle juice at a college party you don't need to worry
2: about yeah what's in the vaccine. I have literally
4: exactly
5: that <laughs> if someone ever looked at you in college and said just try it trust me and you took a sip
0: yeah <laughs> get, the get the vaccine, vaccine. <laughs> get the vaccine okay. <laughs> drink it Honestly, get a number of vaccines, actually. <laughs> Here's a list of shots you may not have gotten that I think we need right. you to get. Um, uh, yeah, no, Talking about it, scarcity. Like, my parents got it a few weeks ago. They got it at one of the New York City health and hospital sites, and uh, which are apparently doing a really wonderful job, which is good to hear because it's a public hospital system. Uh, and they got it, I think... they got on January 21st which was the day before they started canceling appointments for a while because of the vaccine shortage and my sister and I were just watching like watching the calendar and the clock like just hanging there dad like we we helped them figure out how to get this appointment and it was like the earliest one we could find then three days later they're like we're shutting down appointments like (gasps) on January (gasps) 22nd. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Just get to the Bronx. Like, I was like, Dad, if you want to stay at my house overnight (laughs) before and just get in there, that's fine. What do we got to (laughs) do? Like, it was like they were waiting online, and my dad was just texting me like, no one's canceled it yet. Um, So and But it's a real thing to be concerned about. Uh, uh, Anne, your thoughts on on the vaccine rollout thus far?
4: Well, Jess, I'm kind of with you. I've been thinking about this since we you know, that they've had, uh, that they finally said, yes, these, they're going into production, you know, the trials have worked. I, you know, I spent 18 years in Florida under a governor who one of the first things he did was said, look, we're not gonna have a Hurricane Andrew again. We're going to have a plan in place. Uh, you know there will be staging areas before the storm. Even the winds go down. The National Guard's going to be there. Water, ice, this, that. And I thought, why can't we do that for the vaccine? You know. But keep in mind, this is a president, meaning Donald Trump, who booted the pandemic advisor off of Homeland Security. You know, we used to have pandemic, um, uh, a pandemic department within our, you know. Uh, uh security forces, if you will and um and and we saw that with Ebola and h one n one and you know SARS and et cetera um, you know i i I treat this as a national emergency as as it is you know and th- I thought about well, if you took the model from Florida for hurricane preparedness and dropped it into the vaccine preparedness you know, it, it just seems logical to me. But again, you know, there was no plan. They, there was no forethought. And, you know, the government didn't even buy enough vaccine. So um, again, they had a chance one, to buy
0: more and they were like, nah, we'll be fine. Nah,
4: we'll okay. just, you <laughs> know, we'll just wing it. We got
0: yeah. to finish off all this tab we owe on the Fort Loco for the last eight years. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's
4: just, Unbelievable. So, you know, I I just, I think there are ways to do this. And, um, you know, the other thing I heard, uh, because I watch Cuomo's briefing every day, was, is that um, I I was a a little uh, taken aback by this, because as you go through, and at least in New York, and, you know, see if you're eligible to get vaccinated... You know, do you live in a, uh, God, Tom, what's the, they they call it, you know, are you living with other people? A oh, uh,
0: resident, pr- residential living facility.
4: Right. Or, or it, but there's another name for it, and I oh. apologize. It's on the tip of my tongue. Which prisons apply. And he was asked yesterday, why are you not vaccinating inmates who have some of the highest COVID? And he was just like, uh, uh classic like, you know, andy
0: that guy's good he knows how to communicate
4: yeah and, and you know they were like yeah we're starting it today it's like you know, a, this is a that is a tradition. man that is a
0: textbook cuomo move yeah. <laughs> like, why haven't you done this oh we were about i was just about to do it
4: i was, i swear to god i was <laughs> it's, it's, it's here it's on my to-do list you oh, know literally
5: Literally, as his entire staff scrambles to like run out the back door and figure out oh, what oh,
0: is the exact same kind of employee I was at my first assistant <laughs> editor job, where my boss is like, Where is this? I was just about to do it, sir. I
4: swear to god, yeah, what
0: the fuck is he talking about?
4: Yeah, so, so yes, I, do we have I just, those? Yeah, okay. he really oh, those are the guys who made the
0: hand sanitizer, right? Okay, great, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess we should vaccinate them. He really
4: did look at his chief, what uh, chief of staff, I guess, and he was just like. <laughs> melissa she's like uh yeah we're starting today
0: i love when that guy there's no better look in the world than when andrew cuomo is panicked because he's yeah. such a like stone-faced gargoyle of a man and when when he's thrown you're like uh-oh <laughs> like, Ooh, it's gonna be a terrible even- night for the boyfriend at least um <laughs> uh uh daryl your thoughts on on the vaccine rollout yeah um
3: i'm uh completely not surprised. Like, yeah, this was, it's, you know, um, my favorite Oprah gif is the one where she uh, is looking this way and then she turns the camera and
6: goes (laughs) and it's that, that.
3: right? It's like, okay, uh, we're going to now distribute this across the United States. Oh, turns out we don't care about black people and prisoners. And, uh, oh, Turns out if you're rich, you can get it no matter what. Oh, turns out even when we actually put something in a poor neighborhood to get to those people, people from other neighborhoods show up and get yes. it beforehand. And it's like, yeah, man. Like, yeah, that's that's what's been happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, it, that this phenomenon is being talked about in the media. I'm glad it's being reported on. I'm, I hope mm-hmm. someone's taking notes. I hope that the next time something like this happens because it will happen again that we don't do this again, right? Like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be outraged and mad or whatever, but you knew what this was when we got here, right? Like, so yeah, these, these uh, it's actually refreshing to see the lines that we have drawn as a society when it comes to race and class Show up in something that we've we've been behaving like was going to be this wonderful manna from heaven. It's like no, it when when it touches the streets, it looks like what the streets look like. And so, um, yeah, uh, you know, I I I don't like the fact that people are gonna bring up distrust. Like, yeah, sure, but like, you know,
2: like we didn't choose this for ourselves. Right. Like,
3: yeah. Like, I mean, you bring up the distrust as if that's the reason why. Uh, I'm gonna be very uh, uh, bland in my throwing of uh, daggers, but you want to blame distrust on white women showing up in the hood and getting these drugs fast? Like, that's my fault, right? Like, you can't, you gonna blame me for police brutality? I'm not the cops. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like put the, the onus is on where it is. And it showed up this what happened in Philly. Was with the Philly fighting COVID people? It was like some random kids from Penn decided to got a, a a budget to do stuff. When there's like a caucus of black doctors who were there, like, "Yo, we can do this," and they were like, "Ah, let's give it to the," and then it turns out that it was they were just giving each other uh, um um vaccines, w- you know, with their friends yeah. and shit. So it
2: was like literally just a random white kid with a PowerPoint, and it like looked at him and looked at the doctors and like, I don't even know what the white kid. So
3: yeah. <laughs> I I bet you his dad knows someone. Yeah, right. I bet you his dad knows someone. Do it that way, and it's like, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. They are exactly who we thought they were. Yeah. I'm. I'm going to now just speak in memes. Because.
0: Oh man, this is a joke just for you and me, Daryl. Just like, yeah, his dad probably knows someone. Besides, he used to run an improv theater in Philly. (laughs) Uh... Uh, all right yep <laughs> bet you that they are I'm vaccinated be, oh, i right, sure almost promise is, you
3: that
0: they are <laughs> oh man i'm never doing a show there again uh, anyway <laughs> yeah, neither is anyone uh, yeah that's true yeah is that building still
5: exists? is a reminder uh, though this is what it means to be systemic right like there's a constant or an undercurrent yeah. that we are all we as in like black america are always aware of But when these like different emergencies happen, all it does is just, I guess, bring it more to the surface so that everyone sees it. Like, this is the same type of stuff we deal with after hurricanes, the same type of stuff. So it's like, this is the same, I mean, I could have told you, I remember last year, literally around this time, right before, you know, things kind of shut down and there was this like, humorous thing going on 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 the internet, like, oh, black folks can't get it. I think at that point, like it was just Tom Hanks who was the one who like made people realize, oh, this is gonna be a big deal. But I remember thinking and and saying with my friends, like when America, when white America gets a cold, black America gets the flu, right? Like that's how it works in, in this country. And so I knew it was just a matter of time before we started to see the same things we see every time, you know, perpetuated on a, on a different level. And so, you know, even with the rollout, you've got to think about that stuff. Like who's always the last (laughs) to get relief. That's the thing when you talk about, you know, I get annoyed when folks talk about distrust as well. Because even with, like, you think about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, it was that Black Mm -hmm. folks weren't given the drugs. It wasn't that they were given, like, you know, the wrong drugs, or it wasn't that they were given, you know, something that poisoned them. They weren't even treated for syphilis, right? Like, that was the whole scandal. So, you know, we, you've just got to have folks at the table who are going to bring that sort of stuff up when you're planning for a rollout like this, you know?
6: Well,
4: in, in. Jess, you you and everybody makes a great point. You know, it's also the assumption that everybody's got the internet and and that people over 60 or 65 know how to do this. Um, Mm -hmm. If my mother was still alive, she would be like on a, you know, uh, honey can you can you make these Tom calls like Tom you and your sister did yeah. It's it's and assuming... even then, my dad
0: was an early internet adopter so we were just telling him what website to go to we kind of were able to let him go from there but I have friends who are like like all right all right all right now go to HTTP now call right
4: <laughs> no and 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 also you know out yeah. in the west you know, what are we doing on Indian reservations? What are we doing in the most rural parts of this country, not only the South, but the West, and where where people, if they can go to a ride Aid or a CVS, have to travel 20, 30 miles to get vaccinated and yet they can't get an appointment. It's It's all of those things. There were all these assumptions that were made too, that people would just get on the internet. And it's like, well,
6: you need no. the Internet.:
4: Yeah, <laughs> like, you, Yeah, yeah right. you need broadband to be able to get on the Internet. And, and again, you know, uh, another thing the federal government could have done was worked with all the cell phone companies to provide that and, and provide coverage in, in areas that didn't have it, and provide it for free. Am I, I turning into a Democrat? I think I am. I think you might
0: be, yeah. The narrative well arc of this show is getting there. <laughs> Crazy uh, when you stop caring about people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> do. There's a lot of I our party stop. that still thinks that banks are people, so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, I, and think, what I feel... Sorry, go ahead, Madhima, yes.
2: Yeah, I was just following up on what uh, Anne was saying a bit. Like, I think what you're really seeing here is if you were to think about, you know, like, who is... Like most unlikely to be able to get this vaccine like who are the people who are you know going to have the hardest time like whether they're like low income or like no internet access or this and that if you try craft something that they would be able to access then you will get everyone and everyone yes. will have access Sorry. but if you just think about like who will like an, a fellow comfortable person be able to do like the, the pull it up on my phone or something then you're gonna exclude like huge swaths of people uh, so it's a, it's a question of like Priorities and like who you choose to center and build your work around, and yeah, when you when you don't you don't include when you don't uh, focus around like who would have the hardest time, so many people suffer as a result.
5: Imagine if we just did all of our work that way, like like imagine the most marginalized person you could imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Like just go all the way, like you know, black, homeless, wheelchair, you know, in the project. Start with this person, right? Trans. <laughs> And like, right. imagine all of the, like, obstacles right. yeah. that might take to get them to, uh, you know, get Building to Building has
0: place. no elevator. Right, like,
5: like, like I'm saying, like, as a assignment, <laughs> start there, and you will literally make it easier for every single person to get, yeah. right? Like, they talk about the, the sidewalks, like, how they slope into the street, and it was done for folks with wheelchairs. They didn't imagine, didn't realize that moms with strollers or dads with strollers would also, it would make it easier, you know, for those folks as well. It's like, you know.
0: And I think about this, uh, particularly in 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 this discussion, just from the standpoint of, you know, like getting getting to that point, it's not enough, you know, in order to beat this, it's not enough for me to be vaccinated. Like, I need everyone else on this call to be vaccinated. Like, I can still carry yep. it at that point. I need everyone else to be vaccinated. And like, so, so as you said, like, it is interesting. Uh, and I say this, like, forget like people, you know, like, forget, forget, forget white people who don't think about these things. Like, I fancy myself, like, you know, uh, a person who thinks about these kinds of things a lot. And even I am having moments where this has happened, where I feel like I'm like like the hero of like a 1950s sci-fi movie. Is like, did you know racism is still happening? <laughs> everyone, this has been going on the whole time. <laughs> Why didn't they tell us? Now, I, now it matters to me because I need everyone <laughs> vaccinated. And I feel bad about myself. Uh, it, I but,
5: it, it would have been yes. hilariously ironic if you were the only person here who was vaccinated already.
0: <laughs> I would have loved yeah. that. <laughs> I would have too. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's the craziest mine thing. Pretty easy. I just went to, to the hospital. <laughs> I said, "Hey, is there a public restroom I can use?" <laughs> And they said, Yeah, by the way, we've got a vaccine and it's one that doesn't need a second dose. Do you want it? And I said, Yeah. Can I pay you for such? And they said, Of course not. Your money's no good here. Can we give you a ride home? And I did. Uh and anyway, now I'm going Governor. Smoothly. we
3: had to kick this we had to kick a homeless dude off that bus because yeah. it was really right. in the way. But Ugh.
0: other than that. And Very easy something. for me to get back to I you. felt terrible. That is a thing you never want to watch happen. But I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's right home. Oh, this has been fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think we're going to leave it there. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, panel. Uh, we'll go around quickly and folks can, can can tell the people where they can find you online. Uh, and anything else you want to promote here as, as we close that? Madhiva, Denny, thank you for joining us. Where, where can folks find you on the internets?
2: Yeah, thanks again. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mercy. That's A-U-D-R-E-L-A-W-D-A-Mercy.
0: Excellent. And as, as worthy a follow as you can make on social media. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Jess Matthews, <laughs> where, where can folks uh, follow more of your work or, or anything to plug?
5: Yeah, sure. Check out, again, our website, BackboneDigital.org. Exciting news. I know this is airing on a Sunday. So our fellowship application actually closes tomorrow. So that would be Monday. Um, If you know any Black women uh, who are juniors or seniors in college or recent grads, please encourage them to apply. It is a well-paid fellowship uh, through the spring. And we want to train and raise up the next generation of uh, digital leaders and, and activists. So please spread the word.
0: That's Monday, February 8th, correct?
5: Yes, correct. Uh, is there a
0: time? What time does that, that close? Midnight, right.
5: midnight. Midnight. Great.
0: Yep. Monday, February 8th. Uh, Daryl Charles, where, where can folks find you on the internet for more of your work?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, you can go to darylcomedy.com, D-A-R-R-Y-L. Uh, there's my website. It has things. Um, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot. I have the other stuff, but uh, I tweet so um yeah um at daryl daryl underscore on the twitters and the instagrams
0: and yeah excellent and it looks like we lost ann herberger but i know folks can find her on twitter at ann w herberger uh follow her uh uh it is, it is a worthwhile look at the at the history of the time we're living in uh and uh i am tom brennan you can find me at brennanator on twitter at Brennanatorgram on instagram uh and before we go as always just want to say a quick thank you to declan chowdy and geordie belair for designing the electoral dysfunction eagle thank you to joanne harris for doing our show theme music kevin scott for doing our show animation and Ned Thorne, who helps me put these together every single week. Also, another quick thank you to our pal Robert George for stopping by and Megan O'Malley for stopping by earlier. Uh, And with that, to play us out this week, we're gonna kick it down again to the great state of North Carolina, uh, to the lovely voice of my dear friend, Miss Jamelia Pata. Ned Thorne, star wipe us to North Carolina.
7: Oh. Yeah. you.